0: Let's turn, if we could, to uh, Nehemiah 8 to begin. Nehemiah 8, one of the roles uh, given to those who give messages uh, on God's weekly and annual Sabbath day or holy days, uh, one of of the goals or, or the roles is to point us to the truths of God's Word in the reading of Scripture, as Nehemiah 8 tells us. Several of you are ahead of me with that, but let's look at Nehemiah 8. Here they are. Uh, in in the, probably the 440s or so BC, they've, they returned after their 70 year captivity in the uh, early 5 uh, teens. And, and here they were trying to get everything reconstructed. And, and were, we're some 70 years after that, after that captivity began in the, in the 580s. And now they are uh, appearing before God on the Feast of Trumpets. And as uh, we're aware, let's look at verse 7, the latter part of that. We've got these instructors here among uh, the tribe of Levi that are teaching. And it says at the very end there, they helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. Now let's look at Nehemiah 8, verse 8. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense of things, and they helped them to understand the reading. Now, we know what happened next emotionally for the people. What did they do? They wept. They wept. Now, was it just from uh, standing and reading from the law of God and and all of a sudden, you know, they're thinking about all of this and and, and from that, the beauty of God's words, was was it that that caused them to weep? Uh, weep out of joy. It was not a, a, a weeping out of joy. It was a weeping out of out of great sadness. I, I can imagine. Again, I can't. I can't say that this happened, but but I imagine when it talks there about giving the sense and helping them understand the reading. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, in that discussion, as they're as they're reading from the law of God, that they could have been talking about Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28, the, the blessings and the cursings that were, were were told to Israel as they were uh, about to enter the land uh, of Canaan, and and told that hey, if if we if we do these things, blessings will result, and if we don't, here comes the curse. Eventually, captivity. And and are they are they reading from that? hearing that and and recognizing the reality of, yes, this this happened to us. This happened to us. We ventured so far away from the truths of God that that, uh, here we were in captivity. Here we are now, just a remnant left. Israel, the most of Israel is, has been in captivity or, or has gone out in the diaspora the, of, the, of the, uh, the 12 tribes, the, at least 10 of those uh, 12 tribes, out and, and, and about, and they're, they're on out into the uh, north and, and then on uh, venturing west as time, as time goes on, not even there. And we've got this remnant of people uh, of the tribe of Judah, Benjamin, and, and, and some of, of, of the tribe of Levi, uh, those that, that served that, that came back, and a few, a few from the other uh, uh, tribes that are, are there. But look, look, at, look at how we've been decimated. Look at what's happened to us, as, and we're seeing the result of that as, as we read the truths of God's law that we as a nation did not follow. That uh, the idolatrous practices, the Babylonian captivity, and and maybe even as they're reading this here on on the feast of trumpets, realizing their lax practices or, or the lack of godly practices uh, in in any way, the godly practices about holy days being completely non-existent so we we see here let's look now in, in verse in as we continue uh, in verse nine so nehemiah who was the governor Ez, ezra the, the priest and scribe the levites who taught the people said to all the people this day is holy to the eternal your god don't mourn or weep don't mourn or weep about this for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law as we said you know what? What was going through their minds as they took all of that in? And great sadness, as as their, their consciences were pricked, uh, as far as their recognition of, of not being right with God as they ought. So he comes to say uh, next, as we look here, in uh, in verse ten. He, instead, he says, "Go your way. Here, it's a it's a holy day. It's a high day. Go your way. Eat the fat." drink the sweet send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared for this day is holy to the eternal don't sorrow for the joy of the eternal is your strength here they they have had the words of god read to them in this case uh, passages from from the torah from from the law they've read that and as hebrews 4 tells us that that conviction that comes when when the scripture was read to them, and, and it literally opened them up to reveal where they were in contrast to the way God would, would have them live, and it pierced them. It pierced them all the way uh, to the division of soul and spirit as we see it, the New Covenant application for us. It it helped them discern where they were, how far off they were. And, and we as God's people now who have God's law written in our hearts, who have... Uh, Again, the, the foreskin of our hearts has, has been opened up so we can take in of the spiritual intent of God's word. The, it, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what it uh, was uh, to some degree with them as they recognized we weren't doing what we should. For us, the depth of, of hearing that, that word, the, the scripture, read as we come before God on, on the Holy Sabbath day and on the annual holy days, does that for us. We're deeply thankful for that. That's part of why we're here. As we think about that, sometimes it does put us in a, a, a position where we recognize, wow, I am off on this. I am off on this. I'm off on this. And it can be discouraging. But yet they said, take heart, take heart. And, and the, this is a day of, of joy. It's, it's a day of joy uh, for the Lord is your strength. Let's, let's read on just a few more verses uh, by way of introduction to the message today. Let's go to verse 13. Now on the second day, of uh, the, the heads of the fathers of the houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. So here they were again, the the heads then coming here, and they're trying to grasp the the intent of the law, to understand all of what that means for them in terms of application. Verse 14. So they found written in the law, which the Eternal had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel were were supposed to dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So here it was. Uh, moving forward past, uh, past the Feast of Trumpets, and that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem Go out to the mountains and bring these olive branches and the branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, branches of leafy trees to make booths as, is, as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves these booths, each one on the roof of his house or in the courtyards or the, the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and the uh, open square of, of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly did this. They had returned, that had returned from the captivity, they made booths and sat under the, under the booths. So they, they kept the Feast of Tabernacles. They, they kept it uh, together as, as they understood from, from reading the law. And this is the most fascinating thing to me is what we read in the rest of verse 17. I, I know many of you are familiar with this, but, but think about this. Think about this. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun. Okay, we're talking about we're in the 440s B.C. here uh, in, in Nehemiah's time when all this is going on. And, and we're, we're going all the way back to the time of Joshua. That's, that's when Israel is, is first entering and inhabiting the land of Canaan, uh, all before the period of the judges, all before the period of the kings. King David, King David and what King David did to, to, to worship God as he ought. Think of Solomon and Solomon's reign before Solomon went off the deep end. Think of Hezekiah, the reforms of Hezekiah. Think of the reforms of Josiah, all that happened with the various kings. And here we are all this time later, and yet it says this. Not not, uh, the the days of Josiah, the days of Hezekiah, the days of King David, all of those, the days when uh, just after Joshua's death, nothing, nothing Let's read it. Since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until the day the children of Israel had not done so. They had not done anything like that to that degree uh, from that time until that time. So they, they followed God's way. They, they read, and as, they, as best as they understood how to do it, they then went and did it. Notice what it says at the end of verse 17. This was the result of that. And there was very great gladness. We're getting ready to come into the spring holy days. We're in between, aren't we, Uh, that new year starting. And And we came off the Feast of Tabernacles, the fall festival season, with very great gladness. God has given us that. He's given us that understanding. And here we are, blessed to be able to come before him not only weekly, but at, at these holy days. We've been doing this for years, most of us, and rejoicing. Uh, we, we come to services and we hear God's word preached. We hear, we hear scripture being read. And, and we, we take that in and it convicts us and we, and we work to continue to do better and better. That is a huge piece of the spiritual pie. It is a piece of the spiritual pie coming before God, coming in this situation of worship here on this holy day, coming before God on on the annual holy days as well, and hearing God's word talked about and expounded. That is a critical piece of the pie. And may we never, as God's people, may we never in this congregation minimize that and, and determine that that piece of the pie, you know, it's really not... It's, it's a small piece, and it's so small, it's really insignificant. We know that it is critical for us to appear before God. It, it is a holy, holy convocation that we have here uh, within the Sabbath, which is a holy convocation. So for God's people today, the Sabbath services serve as a vehicle uh, to take us where we need to be traveling spiritually. We need to get in. We need to get in the vehicle. We need to buckle up and we need to get on down the road uh, as as God gives us this incredible piece. And yet for us, it represents a piece of a larger pie. There is a much bigger pie than just that. Other pieces of the pie, and I'm not saying that that's not a hefty serving of of this piece of pie, of, of the spiritual pie that we're to be downing uh, but but there are other elements of that pie we, we know those that our life experiences we've got to go out and, and live we've got to go out and experience life we've got to go put these things in practice as we're out and about our interactions with one another we're in work in our homes in our families within our marriages uh, brothers and sisters brothers and sisters in 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 the faith the piece of the pie that that is our thoughts where where are our thoughts taking us Where are your thoughts? Where are my thoughts right now? Uh, In terms of what what we're thinking on while we're here in services. Our thoughts represent a gigantic piece of the pie. Upon what do we focus? Upon what do we keep our mind uh, on? I'm getting ready to make a Two-hour, two-plus-hour drive to East Texas to ref ref a game tonight, and maybe get a little bit of food, but maybe wait too long, and then have to eat a large pizza at around 9:30 tonight, and have indigestion as I try to sleep to get up to ref more on Sunday. I don't know. I haven't worked that out, but I, my mind uh, can be on that. My mind can be thinking about uh, all that's going on this weekend. Where where is my mind when I? Uh, we have to focus on the things that we're doing as, as we're doing those tasks. But th- that piece of the pie of where we take our thoughts and upon what we choose to focus is huge. It's a huge piece of the spiritual pie. The subject of our thoughts uh, leads to yet another huge, massive piece of the pie that I'd like to discuss today. I'd like to discuss it, you know, I guess, in a sense, kind of on the heels of the discussion that we've had about the law here, these last uh, uh, three Sabbaths that, that I've spoken. Uh, and and I don't want to minimize the other pieces of the spiritual pie, uh, but, but this is a, a huge, huge piece of the pie. And I want to talk about it today because, because it's something that I know for some, it comes very easily uh, for them, and, and, and for, uh, for others, it is a tremendous challenge, but it is an integral part of the piece of the pie. It is a huge piece of the pie. It's like a giant mincemeat piece of pie. How many of you love mincemeat? How many of you do not think about mincemeat and don't, do not care for it? Okay, so we'll go, we'll go Midwest, we'll go, uh, it's, it's, uh, strawberry rhubarb. It's a huge uh, piece of the strawberry rhubarb pie uh, in terms of, of our spiritual walk. It is something that probably many of you would say, I know what he's going to cover. Maybe, maybe, some, maybe some don't. It is one we know. It is one we talk about frequently. It is, some, it is one that we've, we've tied to uh, what we've covered with the law. The piece of the pie is feeding on the word of God. Feeding on the Word of God for daily sustenance. We're here today, we're here today, and and we're we're hopefully on on God's Sabbath day, we are feeding on the Word of God. The, The minister's job is to expound on principles in the Word of God. Uh, and and we are to feed on that there, but that is just that is a piece. It's it's a hefty piece of the spirit of the, rhubarb, of the strawberry rhubarb pie. It's a hefty piece, but there is this other huge, huge piece is of feeding on the word of God for daily sustenance. So, are we feeding on the word of God? One of the best ways to answer that is how did you or I feed on the word of God this week? Have we opened the Word of God since last Sabbath? Have we done that? Let's do a raise of hands. No, I'm to, we're not going to do a raise of hands. Have, have we feasted on the Word of God? We, we, we all have different challenges. We all have different uh, time constraints. But how much do we consider f- the, the need to feed, the need to feed on the Word of God for daily sustenance. It is a gigantic piece of the pie because it also ties in with that other giant piece of the pie, which is our thoughts. Uh, they, 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 come, they come together uh, as, as we think of this feeding on the Word of God. So are we feeding on the Word of God? Seriously, are you or are you not? Are you? Are you feeding on the Word of God? How? It, The way to answer that is, how how much did I feed on the Word of God this week? How much have I uh, fed on the Word of God today? Am I feeding on it? Is it my life? Is it what sustains me? Does it give me sustenance? Do I view it this way? What is your answer? What is my answer before God as God listens to us in our minds as we give him that answer? truthfully honest absolutely honest in in one respect it's it's a matter of of diligence as we heard this uh, just a bit earlier in this whole subject of the ant the diligence of the ant I'd like us to think about that day uh, that today feeding on the Word of God feeding on the Word is a multifaceted concept let's let's look at three passages that speak to this uh, three passages first John, first in John not first John but first we'll look at John the book of John just as a a background as, as we begin to see this next festival season approaching we reflect on these things we reflect on these things day in and day out but but they' they're major as we recognize the need for this and and the implications of, of what John was saying here about Jesus Christ as, as we move towards the spring holy day season. Feeding on the Word is a multifaceted concept. The first aspect, very basic, in the beginning was the Word, John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word. He was there in the beginning. He, was, he is Ever, uh, he is, His beginnings are from everlasting. He has no beginning. He's always been there. He is the Melchizedek. He is the one who has no father or mother or beginning of days. He has always been. This is the word. This is an aspect of feeding on the word. Uh, he is the word. He is God. He is in the God family. In the, in, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And then look at verse 4. In him, in this being, this, this word, this ever-existing being, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So if in him was is life, then he is the sustenance. He is the sustenance of, of life, and he is also the light of men, to the degree that, as we know the process, God the Father calls us and Uh, through Jesus Christ, that whole process, and through that, that is our light. Is is that not sustenance? Jesus Christ is a huge part in, in what sustains us, the Word, the Word, who was the the, the, the logos. He expressed uh, what the Father uh, wanted and, and he was in concert with the Father as they, as they work together as, as, as these two incredible beings and continue to do so and are eager to bring us into that same ultimate reality when we, we once become spirit beings as well. Matthew 4.4, 4. Matthew 4.4, 4. we know this, but, but another facet of this as, as Christ was tempted by Satan Uh, I want us to think about this passage with respect to the multifaceted concept uh, known as the the, feeding on the word. Satan uses the temptation of bread to, to try to tempt Christ, and Christ brings out this feeding on the word. Well, he is the word. But, but he does that for us, and, and he, as, as a human who was in the position where he was to be tempted by uh, Satan, prepared himself so that he would be in a state to not be, uh, not, not be pulled or tempted by uh, a being he created which may be in 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 the weakness of his flesh you know could it have happened you know pe- people will debate that but but he prepared himself for that i don't think he just did that uh, to show us that this is what you need to do jesus christ went into the wilderness for 40 days to prepare for this to and, and he fed on god's words he fed on on the, what they had planned as, as these two beings for all of mankind. It was so much a facet, uh, a, 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 a multifaceted concept that hit every aspect of what he was thinking and saying and preparing for that he was razor sharp in where he was going with this as Satan came upon him. So he could say then, when he said to commit, uh, turn the stones to bread, he could say, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. To feed on the word, he but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Jesus Christ, who was the Word, in while he was in 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 the role that he he was uh, as the Savior of mankind, living this life sinless, fed on the word he. He needed to be sustained by that. We, we see times where he stepped over here and went away, had to get away from folks. He was fatigued, worn out, tired, and went to, to spend alone time with God to draw strength and sustenance from him as a human. He needed time here and there. He prayed, he prayed. He was constantly in that thought with God, in thought on of the words of God, the words of life. And yet here he was, the, the, the light of men, in the life of the world. The other passage is John six. John six is, is filled, filled with this, this concept. As, as the multifaceted uh, concept expands, uh, Jesus Christ was the Word, uh, Jesus Christ. Stated that every that we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Those words, the words of God, uh, are we are to feed on that. And then John six uh, verse thirty two. As as we know, we know this, but it, it forms the backdrop. Verse thirty two. Then Jesus said to them, "Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the true bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. What is really true? The true sustenance to live." For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That bread is Jesus Christ. We are sustained by him. It is our sustenance. It's what gives us life. Verse 34. Then they said to him, Lord, we want this bread. Give us this bread always. He said, I am the bread. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. That individual recognizes from from whence that sustenance comes, and that person feeds on that, and that person is filled no matter what he or she experiences in this life. Continuing, uh, look down uh, to verse 48. Verse 48 He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna, they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. He will have life. He will have that sustenance within himself, uh, ultimately, as he becomes part of the God family. Uh, But but in this, he said, in this life, we feed on that. We feed on that, and and it is what is our life. Uh, My flesh is, is what I give for the life of the world. So the Jews were trying to figure this out. What was he talking about? Give his flesh to eat? Uh, then, then we see down in verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you're doing this, unless we're eating of the, the flesh of the Son of Man, and unless we're drinking his blood, we don't have life. We don't have life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Verse 57. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. You think about that. Jesus Christ, the word of God, comes in the flesh. He, he was eternal. He comes to them. Is he just making that up? Is he just saying, you know, I, I think I'm going to say this so you can kind of get the picture of what you need to do. Uh, Jesus Christ is saying, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. The word of God says uh, is saying, he Jesus Christ, the word, is saying, I exist. I am in this situation in the place. I, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which comes down from heaven. Not as your father has ate the men of their dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, to tie this together, we come to verse 63. It is the spirit which gives life, Mr., Johnson talked about this uh, last week, wasn't it, uh, in terms of that component of God's Holy Spirit, the degree to which uh, God's Spirit works uh, in us, and uh, in, in the growth that we uh, achieve and experience bite by bite uh, as he talked. It is the Spirit which gives life, the flesh profits nothing, Notice this, the words that I speak to you, the, the words, the, the words that he was saying there, and, and ultimately by extension, the word of God, the, the Bible, the, the all scripture that's given for, for our, our, our complete growth and development, uh, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. How, so how is that coming for you? How is that coming for me? Are, are we gaining sustenance do, uh, daily? Are we recognizing the depth to which we need that for life? Not just to, to I need to do this every day, so God's going to be pleased with me, and then I'll get eternal life. But, but, but see it from the standpoint of sustenance spiritually, for me to be able to function in life, for me to be able to exist as a a person within the body of Christ, for me to be able to exist as a, a person whom God looks at as part of, of his body, uh, part of His Son's body. Uh, I must feed. I must, I must be sustained by that. I must see it from the standpoint of that I have no life, and I am wasting away if I don't feed. I've talked a little bit about this before, from from some different angles, but I'd I'd like to do this uh, today, just just a little bit here, uh, to uh, to to help folks understand at least from by looking at some of the situations that I've experienced in my life, to to grasp that, uh, and especially our young people that are that are that are making decisions. Uh, to strive to grow closer and closer to God. And we're, we're, we're seeing the truth. We're, we're coming to recognize the depth of the truth and the impact of that on our lives. And, and we're striving to walk that. Uh, I, and, I, and I know just from talking with God's people over the years that it's not something that only uh, young people struggle with of, of developing a, a strong, steady diet of, of ingesting of the Word of God. So, uh, you know, I, I say this to all of us here. In in my background, with my parents coming in the church, my mother had come into the church earlier than my father, and uh, when when I was 12, uh, my father came in, and then we began as a family really attending regularly. And as I told you before, my dad really, really wanted us to learn scripture, so we memorized uh a lot of Scripture uh, in, in my early, in my formative years, which helped uh, come test time when I went to Ambassador College, and there were memory Scriptures that I already knew. But, uh, but that, was, that was my, my dad's way of, of helping us begin to get grounded in, in the Word, and, and I, again, I'm not saying memory, scripture memorization is, is, is everything. Uh, I think it's, it's very important. Some of us have minds that work uh, very well with with memory. Others of us re- remember concepts and principles. But to tell me, oh, I got to turn right here, and it's and it's exactly this way in the Authorized King James, and actually the New King James, it says it slightly this way. It's, it's different for us. We we learn things differently. Lisa can can talk about concepts, and she can find scriptures, but to get her to, you know, to memorize all of these things, her mind just doesn't work that way. And that's okay. That's good. That, that, that's fine. Because she, she knows her Bible. She knows her Bible very well. And, and when it comes to principles, uh, she can let me know when a principle is off that uh, <laughs> I've said something. You know, she's very sharp. We learn differently, but that's the way we were taught. Uh, and... And from that, I gained a certain appreciation of God's word, especially with respect to the, the truths of God and what we were doing as a church versus what's out there in religion, you know This this is off here and this is off here because of this passage boom It's right there. Sabbath was made for man man wasn't made for the Sabbath all the passages in 1st John about the law and how we love God or uh, Whatever it is uh, that we, we could pull those scriptures to answer to answer those questions God's way made sense because these scriptures were there and the church not that the church had perfect knowledge, but the church was striving to walk in that and I'd see the minister get up and, and expound those those scriptures and 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 then would see the church would teach this and I'd okay, yeah, it makes sense it, it, it's right. it is the way it should be. Uh, going to college, then having five years of intense training, speech classes, activities, all these things. Uh, combined uh, together to to develop the person and uh, it was it was a fantastic time for me to to learn to learn principles uh, of God's way and and to be taught in detail the scripture but but at the same time to have time to experience that in as interacting as we interacted with all these people in a variety of different settings there were people who played the game who faked it uh, who who were able to uh, you know Put themselves forward in such a way when all these other things were going on in their minds, or when they were behind the scenes doing what they wanted to do. I mean, there, there were folks there. There were folks there who never got it, uh, but God's truths were taught, and an environment was established that that was a very effective environment for me, and and especially in my freshman year as I began considering baptism and seeing that. There there is this way of life that is a right way of life, and I have sin, I, I, I have sinned, and I have sin in me. I, I, I recognized at, at a at I th- I think an adequate depth that I needed God and I needed to be forgiven of that and I needed to be a new creation in Christ. I, I got that. And I and I saw the scriptures as we studied those scriptures to recognize, yes, that's what that's what I need to do uh, to to go forward. Uh after, after I graduated from college, I spent a year uh, out in Columbus, Ohio, and then my wife and I moved to, to East Texas. And those nine years uh, working at the college were a wonderful, uh, a wonderful experience. But uh, you know, to be, to be fair and completely honest, and looking at my life, my Bible study. It was very much tied to the kinds of things that I was learning and was responsible for, for completing when I was in college. And once I was out, it, it began to lag. It began to lag. And I did, not, I did not study God's Word daily. Was I taught that in college? Yes. Stud, study daily, pray daily. My prayer life was much more solid than my my study life, but I would sometimes go. I, I think even though the, in those years, here I am. I'm working for the college. Sometimes there would be times where I would maybe study once during the week, and and then on the Sabbath, there were some times. Uh, openly admit that I didn't study the entire week. And uh, and. And yet at the same time, the deceptive nature of that, of being able to be there at services and, and scriptures are covered, principles are being covered. I, I got those. I understood that. This is God's way of life. This is, this is the truth of God. I'm, I'm glad I am where I am and very thankful for that. But that, that hunger and that thirst for sustenance was not there. It was not there. I started to get a, a nibble for it as things started going uh, wonky in the early 90s. Uh, 91, 92, things started really going, going wonky as the pastor general's reports would come out and little things would be added here or there. Of course, it came to a head for different people in the early 90s to the mid 90s. But then there was a, a, a revitalization for me with respect to scripture. And, and, that, and it was good because, you know, we were seeing these things that were being taught that th- th- this is not what I was taught. This doesn't match up with the scripture that I know. It, it's God's way. This is, this is God's way. And now they're teaching this. This is off. So got back into scripture to the degree that I should to prove again what I believed. But again, was that my sustenance? Was that my life? Was that what drove me and sustained me day in and day out? I've got to admit, if I, if I am absolutely truthful, I've got to admit humbly, no. No. It was at a certain level and, and you know, a, a decent depth, but it was not to the depth that uh, it should be. Uh, like you say, I began uh, to, uh, well, then, then, of course, then the college uh, closed, uh, and, and then, of course, we've got uh, from that, we're we're in a different place. I'm in a different job. I'm out in Oregon, and uh, we had a, another child. Insane amount of stress uh, with the job, and the child was not causing us a, an insane amount of stress. Well, Christy actually sometimes did did provide an insane amount of stress. No, I'm kidding. She was wonderful, wonderful girl, a lot of fun, and we we deeply enjoyed uh, raising her, and and uh, we still kind of like her to this day. Uh, but anyway, she's, she's a great girl. But but. But so many things hitting us, so, much, so many time constraints on me that, again, my, my Bible study and the intensity of the Bible study began to wane. Uh, and it was not until, I'd say, the early 2000s for me that I really began to get back on track with study. And, and I'll say it this way. It started as, as I started to spend time in God's Word and, and step back and reflect that, that appetite began to increase to where there was, there was a hunger for it. There was a, a need to be sustained by that, a yearning to feed on him through his word. I, uh, and I, I want to talk about a little bit as we go forward, what the difference was uh, here in just, just a minute. How many of you read uh, this? sabbath's uh, blog by jeremy lawyer on growth leaps how how many of you anybody read that some of you have it's it's fascinating it's something that we've learned uh, through through uh our our grandson jack our our daughter and her husband uh, came across and i think in part was because of the lawyers uh, some some detailed training or a program to help with sleep training for children and I wish we had known this if we had known this wow I I would be a different person I would be a dynamo I think but anyway, we didn't uh, my wife you know of course as, as I've told you the story she she would uh, for the first two or three years of our children's lives she really never slept more than three hours at a time and you, you think about that I, I get a little I get a little crazy if uh, that happens two days in a row but she had that uh, on and on. But, but anyway, there, there's a program that uh, the lawyers had found and, and got uh, Stacy and uh, Kelly, uh, our, our, our daughter and son in law, uh, looking at this, this program to help children, uh, at, at an infant, as that infant grows and gets a little bit older, to begin to get that, that baby on a, a fairly decent sleep schedule. And, and, and how, how that all operates, but, but in the process of all of that, uh, they said that one of the things that will happen is, is you'll, you'll get your child on a schedule and everything, uh, you'll start to see this rhythm taking place and everything will be going really, really well and then all of a sudden, wait, wait nothing's changed, we've not done anything differently, we give them him this at this time and this at this time but all of a sudden now it's not working. It's not. It's 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 a challenge, and he's not sleeping as well. And and what what causes that? And they they'll say that it's because of a growth leap. The child is entering these little phases that happen physiologically, uh, emotionally, psychologically. It's it's a period of transition as they're growing. Just this little where where as this is happening, there. It's, it's difficult for them to transition from one in, into the next. So, so the, the child will you know, be irritable or uh, just not be on a schedule and, and, and struggling. But at the same time, the child, uh, they help you realize the child is, is growing here. They're, they're hitting a leap right now. They're going to jump into a new phase. And they tie that with, as I've talked with you before, these these things that are so neat to see with children, with infants. So that they, at this stage, they start to learn this. At this stage, they start to learn this, and all of a sudden, these things sometimes just appear. Where did this come from? All of a sudden, they're doing this, and they were processing all. But then, all of a sudden, uh, you know, two weeks later, you're hearing all these words that they're able to say that they never said before. But the, these. Good words, good words. But, but anyway, so these growth leaps that happen, but the transitions uh, are are difficult as they happen. But, but stay on it, stay on it, and and then they'll come back to a, a schedule that's very effective. But as I thought about that concept of 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 growth leaps in in uh, the early 2000s, it was a, a growth leap for me, a, a change in in career a very challenging time going from one leaving one and entering another but but a very difficult transition and i knew that i, I needed to make a, a more diligent effort to to really feed on god's word so i began that in the uh, you know like I say late late 1990s uh, into the early 2000s and as i began to to strive to hunger for God's word and make a diligent effort to study God's word and spend some time thinking about that my hunger intensified. I needed more. I needed, I realized even more how much I needed to be sustained by it, where it was, it wasn't there to that degree before. It was something I needed to do, and I went through periods of time where I did better than others, but I didn't look at it from the standpoint of how much I needed it to sustain me spiritually. Once I began to get the taste of of what it is to be sustained by the word of God, then my hunger intensified. Now, I know with a a group of this size, many of you out there are saying, Burnett, how come it took you this long to do this? I've known this all my life and I've been doing this all my life. Great, thank you. Thank you, thank you for that example. Uh, uh, I, I would say in a group of this size though, there are others who were who maybe like me. Maybe, maybe some of us are in that state now. Maybe some of us are even farther away from that. I don't know, you know. But, but I know for me, I've just again, true confessions by Andy here, I, I know for me as, as I began to recognize the degree to which I, I needed that for sustenance, uh, that, that hunger intensified as I ate of it, and, and as, I, as I ate more then I, I wanted more. I, I'm now learning how to slow down and enjoy the meal. I, you know, they say, uh, you know, this whole thing of, of taking time to savor it. As, as I do, it, it tastes better and better. They say as we get older that we lose our sense of taste. It's not so in the spirit realm, is it? It's not so with the the Word of God. Uh, So many delicacies, so many delights, so much meat cooked perfectly, medium-rare some medium medium well, some very dead, whatever, but it, it tastes perfectly for you whatever way you like to cook that meat. But so much sustenance, sustenance that gives us clarity and purpose in this mess of a world in which we're living. Uh, Psalm 119, let's go there. Uh, Psalm 119. We didn't spend uh, much time in Psalm 119 as we went through the, the law of God, yet uh, in all the aspects or the different terms and phrases and all, uh, all that they mean, be it precepts, statutes, judgments, word, commandments, uh, uh, way. Uh, but let's read the fifth, the fifth uh, section of Psalm 119 and think about this. Think about this as, as we talked last time. Think about first that this is a psalmist here that's writing this. These are the breathed words of God, we acknowledge that. But this is a psalmist who, who participated in this with God. This, this psalmist was deeply thinking of God's ways, he was meditating on God's ways, and God worked with this individual to get the exact words that God wanted down breathed into the scripture, into this passage. So here it is as this person, but yet this person is there. This person is there thinking these things as well. It's, it's a beautiful concept. As I do something like that, as, as I think on that, on that level, I began to realize, why, why can that not happen with us? I mean, that, that depth of connection that depth of sustenance that, that is there. I'm not saying that we're, we're going to write now uh, the words that need to be added to the Bible. I'm not saying we're about to do that, but you know what I'm saying, it's, there, is a, there is that kind of a connection that's taken place here with God and this individual who wrote this. Look at, look at verse 33, as we read verses 33 through 40, and, and think about this from the standpoint of this person's deep desire to be sustained by God. We're talking about something that moves away from just a knowledge of this is the truth and and these churches teach error and we have these doctrines and these doctrines mean this. This is a person that says, I hunger and thirst for this, this way of life because I want to be transformed by this way of life. I want to be transformed by your truths. I want to be what you want me to be and what you're making me to be, God. He says in verse 33, teach me, O eternal, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the paths of your commandments. I I see this path and I I want to go down that. I want to stay on that path for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, not to covetousness, I love this passage here that ties with Job 31 and what Job strove to do. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. The person wants to be sustained by things that are are true and right and just and, and get his life and his sense of being out of the things that really matter. But turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things. So much worthlessness out there and revive me stir me stir me up give give me that life Uh, rejuvenate me revive me in your way establish your word to your servant the servant who is devoted to fearing you turn away my reproach uh, which i dread for your judgments are good behold i long for your precepts revive me in your righteousness it the person came to that point where he he sees god and god's teachings as what sustains him and that's what we're we're getting at today so brethren where are you in all of this where are you where are you where am i are we sitting down at the table and are we feasting are we feasting not not just here at sabbath services a huge piece of the pie here at services but not just here, but are we feasting? Are we eating this vital piece of the spiritual pie? The words of life, or are we starving ourselves? Are we like the, the person who has anorexia nervosa and looks in the mirror and, and sees uh, herself or himself as, as overweight and, uh, and completely, uh, completely stuffed? And yet, at the same time, they don't actually see what's really there—that they are, uh, that they are anorexic, that they are are wasting away to nothing. You know, so we, we as we look at ourselves in the mirror, what what do we what do we see? Do we see what we want to see? Do we see what we think we see, uh, or do we see it uh, as it is? Do we suffer from spiritual anorexia nervosa? Many feeding strategies uh, are afforded to God's people in this age, and, and I want to spend the remainder of our time um, looking at a strategy, and, and it is a strategy that has helped me feed and grow. It's, it's helped me uh, as I've gone forward, uh, you know, with the goal of being, being able to develop more and more of the mind of God, which translates to mover, moving closer and closer to the fullness, stature, measure of Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that's what we're, we're all about as God's people. Uh, I'm not a deep thinker. Surprise, surprise. Most of you, I, I don't naturally think deeply about things. Some of us are wired in such a way that we're, uh, Contemplative, is that the word? Contemplative, contemplative. I think it's contemplative, but uh, some, some of us are that way. We're always seeing things. We're seeing things in terms of analogies and Im, imagery, and we're, we're, as something's being said, we're developing a, a concept and a construct and, and thinking deeply. We, we yearn for time to be by ourselves, to think deeply about something and sort out a matter in our minds. I, I'm not naturally that way. I, it doesn't come easily for me. But And I think that may have been in part why uh, I, I, it was an extra challenge for me to begin to, to look to God's way of life, in, in, not in His way of life, but the Word of God as, as giving me sustenance because I could feed a little bit on it. And, and for my personality type, my temperament, I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. But I was not going deeply enough. I wasn't going down to, to the meat uh, that, that sustained me, not just doctrines, but how to live, how to think what is truly important in this life and, and dwell on that. So I, I'd like to talk about a strategy that, that's helped me. Uh, before I do that, I, I want to read from a, a member who, uh, who wrote me a note just this morning that is implementing a strategy. The strategy that I'm going to talk about is not the only strategy. It is a strategy. But this uh, individual wrote uh, from one of our congregations here in, in the area here uh, in discussing about the law that we've been talking about. The individual said the rewarding part is when you write it by hand. So this individual is taking on that that task of writing out the law by hand as the kings did. The person says, uh, the rewarding part is when you write it by hand, it really imprints on your mind. So I'm finding things I've read for years but just never registered. It seems I inexplicably glossed over. Things like that are now making an impact on my heart and mind by writing it out. God totally knew what he was doing by telling the kings to write in their own hand. Brilliant. Way to go, God. Uh, Wishing you blessings and a peaceful Sabbath. That that is another method to cause us to slow down and to to feast on the words of God and and to deeply think about it and apply it as we go forward. So let's look at at this other strategy here as we uh, move towards the end here. Let's go to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. I came across this psalm I don't know a couple of weeks ago and it intrigued me, so I kind of thought about it and I went back to it and and read it again and 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 then read it with a different translation. I looked at uh, the NIV as well and uh, you know, looked at some uh, some definitions of words and and such. But, but I engaged in this process of, of reading it, thinking about it, reflecting on it, coming at it from a different angle, reading it, thinking about it, reflecting on it, uh, and, and just I'll take you through a little exploration of these 12 verses. Psalm 36, Psalm 36, things that jumped out at me, and, and the, the reason why I'm doing this is, is just to, to give us some thoughts of, of, of as you read this, what jumps out at you, and are, are are we willing to take the time to go and explore that as as we as we think about these kinds of things and and look at it from the standpoint of sustenance? This one is uh, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. So it's one of David's psalms. Uh, the individual who was the servant of the Lord, and he wrote this for the the chief musician. And it's my understanding that the, the chief musician had a role. Uh, there in determining which, which songs would be sung at different times in, in certain uh, situations, at times of the year, worship in, in worship services and the like. But David, as he writes this, notice what he says at the very beginning, that this intrigued me. an oracle within my heart, Concerning the transgression of the wicked. When we hear that term oracle, and within his his heart, David recognizes the the way in which God worked through him and the insights that he gave him. He gave he gave God all the credit. But this seems to to indicate here that David recognized the depth of, of what of what connection was happening between him and God here that he is is going to give to us now. We know that to the Jews were committed the oracles of God, as Romans says, the words of God are are these that we've kept here. These are the oracles of God. He says an oracle within my heart. And then notice what he says concerning the transgressions of the wicked. Now, what, what got me was this is the way my mind works, is, is I was thinking, okay, so an oracle uh, regarding the transgressions of the wicked. All right, so let me think about the rest of Scripture, always thinking about the entirety of Scripture, and uh, what does God, upon what does God tell us to think about when we think of the epistles of Paul? Whatever things are good, good report, lovely, think on these things, to, to take in the good, to think on, on those things, which which is a, true, a truism, and we are well served to do that. But, but I'm, I'm seeing this, and he says, an oracle came deep within my heart here concerning the transgressions of the wicked. So I'm thinking, well, so, so I'm going to delve now into what goes on in the minds of the wicked. Yeah, there, there's benefit to that. There's spiritual benefit to that just as, not, not that we plot like the wicked or we start having wicked thoughts, but, but to recognize what happens in the way of the wicked, people that go towards wickedness and, and how that happens. Uh, so so then, then we see these, these statements that are made, uh, starting with, with first off, there, there is no fear of God before his eyes. This individual that moves into the state of wickedness steers clear of a fear and a reverence of God. That person begins to act very in a very cavalier manner. They're not thinking about the, the fear of God. They're not thinking about this being that rules the universe, who controls all things, who, who, who by him... Uh, through whom all, uh, all have their existence by, by this being that has created them. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes. When he finds out his iniquity and when he hates, the words of his mouth are wickedness and, and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. So I took each one of those and I started thinking about those and uh, I started thinking of individuals whom I've known over the years that have moved into wickedness. Now, was that, was that bad of me to, 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 to be able to reflect on that and, and, and know that I know individuals that have gone into wickedness? I don't, I don't think that was wrong. I don't think that was wrong, and especially in situations where I know the individual and and saw the markers that happened that led the person to that, I was able to to reflect and see how, just say this this first one, uh, the second one, for he who flatters himself, uh, for he flatters himself in his own eyes. I started thinking of some individuals whom I knew that, that did that. You know, we think of hypocrisy on the one hand where a person is making out to be, I, I'm this kind of person when really they're this. But then we see the situation of, of flattery. The person looks at himself in such a way that he refuses to see the evil and in a, in, in even, those, even then goes further to flatter himself in his own eyes. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I I've got these pieces of the pie going on. I, I've got all these things going on. I'm doing well. And yet, uh, and yet what about this piece of the pie? Oh, no, we don't, we don't need to really address that because when I look in the mirror, this is what I see, and it's beautiful. Uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. So I, I was able to reflect on that and think about those situations and thought, yeah, that's, that's how that person slid that way. And then the next thing is bring it here. You know, bring it here. Have I have I ever done that? Have I flattered myself in my own eyes? Well, uh, I, I haven't divulged everything yet about my life to you. I probably will if I stay here long enough. But, but in in just in this area of Bible study, as I reflected on that, the years that I was in the church that I was not diligently feeding and being sustained by the words of God and seeing that as my sustenance, in one respect I had to acknowledge I was flattering myself in my own eyes. I, I, I look, well, I've got this going, I'm, I'm serving God, I'm, I'm serving here, I'm serving in this, I'm serving in this area in the church, I'm doing this, I'm striving to do this, I'm here every Sabbath, I'm, I'm here uh, you know, keeping the holy days, I understand the meaning of the holy days, I understand the doctrines of the church, and yet as I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I'm not seeing this piece of the pie the, the need to feed and to be sustained by God because he is my life, because Jesus Christ is the life and he's the light of men, that wasn't going on. And I had to acknowledge that, yes, uh, I, I was flattering myself in my own eyes. That's that, that, that thing of, of the, the Hebrews 4, of the word of God, it opens us up if we allow it. And it helps us see ourselves. And from that, then, we can begin to make the changes. We can feed on this, this life-giving, wonderful truth that metamorphosizes us, metamorphosis us, it morphs us, it morphs us to, to a different person, whereas the opposite take us, takes us away from that devising wickedness uh, on, his, on his bed. Uh, reminds me of the, the seven things that God hates. That's, that's one of them. He that devises wicked imaginations. But all of those kinds of things to think on that, to see other aspects of scripture and, and then to turn it back. Is there anything where, I'm, where I've nibbled in any one of these? Has there ever been a situation of, of deceit? I had to catch myself this week. I was in a situation where something happened, and I said something the way I said it, and as I reflected on that, that wasn't quite accurate. And some would say, well, it was just a little thing, and in in many respects it was, but as I reflected on it, I I didn't say it exactly as it was, and I had to repent to God before that. I've got to say it exactly like it is because that, that is God. God, is, God does not lie. God is truthful in every aspect. I don't want you to think that I'm constantly lying. It was just, it was just a little thing where you've said something before you even thought about it, and it just wasn't quite mm, right on to where it could lean a person to think that I maybe was meaning this when I really wasn't. Uh, so th- those kinds of things, uh, it-, it convicts us, it helps us to see that. And then verses 5 through, five through 6, on the other side, they flip us uh, to-, to then turning back to God to see, no, this is, this is who God is, this is this being uh, to which we-, we-, we come to great thanksgiving uh, for uh, as-, as we reflect on him. Your mercy, O eternal, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness, we can count on you what you say to be true, what, what, what you will do for us. It reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness, your rightness, God, is, is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. The vast oceans of the deep are like your, your judgments. And God, you're the one who preserves. You're, you're the one who sustains man and beast. And the person in, in thinking about all that, even in analyzing the way of the wicked and stepping back and seeing the ways of God says, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. The sustenance, the protection of, of coming under the wings of God it, as, as a mother hen looks after her chicks coming in there in that in that protection that God offers. Sustaining us, providing spiritual raiment and clothing for us in, in the shelter of, of, of his great wings. They're abundantly satisfied. I, I think of the, again, the pie, the, the keeping of the Feast of Tabernacles as they had the words read to them. As we feast on God's word, we're abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. You give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. And here we come back to that that statement that we read earlier in John 1. Ties with this, I believe. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me. Let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the workers of iniquity have fallen, and they have been cast down and are unable to rise. Thought about that, reflected on that, see the truths of God, the sustenance that God offers us, the degree to which we need to feast on the abundance that God offers us as he says there at the end, uh, this whole thing of the upright in heart. As I read that, I, I asked God to, to help me, help me be upright in heart, to remain upright in heart, and God protect me spiritually. I, I say this as, as just an example of, of, of what, I, what I did to, to try to help me be sustained by the word of God. Read, think, stop, reflect. Think about what I see in others. Make sense of that. Take a look at my own life. Pray about it. Talk with God about it. In some cases, repent. As I read that and reflect on my own life, talk with God more about that. Ask for his forgiveness. Consider the appropriate path in going forward. Thank God for the clarity that he gives us. Thank God that he takes us under his wings, and this God is so merciful, so much loving kindness, so much rightness, and he's saying, I'm eager to have you enter into that eternity of that kind of living with me. This is the feeding. This is the, the leaping that occurs as we do that, this developing of the mind of God. How are we doing, brethren? How are we doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? Am I, am I at that point to where I just must be sustained by this and I, I can't live without it? Or do we not see? My hope is that those who are continuing in that will continue to do so and that will even greater resolve uh, of, of why it is so critical. And those that, of us here that aren't, get after it. It's there. And brethren, it tastes so good. It tastes so good.